and to share their faith with their Muslim friends and neighbors, Lord. That, that's an amazing thing, and we just do pray that you would work through that. We pray that Christians would do that with gentleness and respect, and we pray that you would work powerfully in both the north and south of Nigeria for your purposes. And Lord, please equip Matt and Lisa and the, and the family with everything they need to, to do the work you called them to do in that country. We know there's still some things um, sort of still being sorted out, clarified, but we just pray you'd be with Matt and Lisa as they ask those questions, as they explore different options. Lord, be with them as they wait as well, Lord. Help us as their church family to pray for them, to support them in any way that we can. And Lord, help Matt and Lisa know that they are not going out there on their own, but Lord, you are with them and you have promised to be with them and, and just be steadfast in your love for them. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege it is at Avenue to partner with both the Wallace family and the Harrison family. We pray for tonight. It will be a great time hearing more and praying together. And Lord, please would you bless Matt and Lisa and the children in the days ahead. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to be um, turning to the passage um, now. So Ben's going to come and read um, a couple of passages that Richard's asked us to look at. So if you haven't got a Bible, um, in fact, we, do we give Bibles out anymore? Have we got Bibles to give? No, we don't. If you haven't got a Bible, then you just have to listen. <laughs> so here's Ben. Um, okay, so there are, there are two readings um, today for our sermon, um, and we'll find them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, and then John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And John 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words will remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I'm going to uh, welcome Richard up, um, and I'll, I'll pray for him as he uh, brings God's word, God's word to us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, would you uh, just still our hearts and focus our minds as we um, listen to Richard. Um, help us to come closer to you um, through what he shares. Um, help Richard, Lord, as he brings your word to us. Um, thank you for um, all that you've helped him to prepare. 
Um, and I pray that you would um, help him by your Holy Spirit to um, just um, yeah, encourage and, and strengthen us today. Amen. Yeah, do keep Bibles open if you have them um, to 1 Thessalonians 5 and John 15. Um, actually, we've got some question sheets for anyone, teenagers and up, um, who would like them to follow along. So um, I wonder if Pete and Asher, could I give and just take the room in a half? Just put your hand up if you want a question sheet. just helps you follow along with the sermon. Um, hopefully, you've got enough there for everyone. Um, and actually, a kid just reminded me, we always did have physical Bibles on a table at the back. And, we, and sort of COVID came along, we stopped. So there's a big box of them over there. So we'll try. After the church weekend, we may well bring the physical Bibles back. How exciting is that? Um, but yeah, do um, put your hand up if you need one of those question sheets. And um, they are helpful. So yeah, this morning we are looking at the second of the three commands uh, given by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 to 18. So last week we looked at rejoice always and what that means. And this week it's pray continually. Or you might have a different translation that says pray without ceasing. And I wonder what images come to mind when you hear that command, pray continually. Maybe you think of a monk in the Middle Ages living in a monastery in silence. Or you think of a mystic living in the desert free from any distractions. Or maybe because it's a command, you think of a church leader like me sort of shouting at you all going, would you pray continually, sort it out, pray more. What are we meant to make of this command, pray continually? Well, it is a command. Paul doesn't say it's an option. If you've got the time or if you're that way inclined, you should pray. No, he says, pray continually for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But as we saw last week, This is a life-giving command. It's a grace-filled command. Just as with rejoice always, the call to pray continually is not designed to crush us or weigh us down or make us feel guilty. No, it's an invitation to draw near to the living God who wants to help us live out God's will for us in Christ Jesus. But if that's the case, if praying continually is an invitation from God, so why don't we do it already? Well, I can think of a few reasons. One of them is it just doesn't sound humanly possible. Maybe you think about that, pray continually. How is that possible? Is Paul saying, I need to spend every waking moment of every day in prayer? That's just beyond me. I need to eat sometimes. I need to work sometimes to talk to people sometimes. Does he want me to go and live in the desert with that mystic, free from all distractions? Well, if you just look at 1 Thessalonians alone, you know that's not the case. Paul himself lived in a world full of distractions and people and sweat and tears. So praying continually actually is about God helping us live for him in the real world, not some sort of special world free from distractions. And that Paul is following the example of Jesus who entered our world, the Son of God, and drew near to us, entered our world of distraction and mess, and met with us. So praying continually does not mean we withdraw from the world. But I think another reason we struggle with it is we kind of overcomplicate prayer. We overcomplicate it. We think prayer is a spiritual discipline we have to do alongside all the other things we have to do, and we have to do it to keep God happy. 
or to impress other people. So we make prayer all about us. We try and use theologically impressive language. We think, well, how long can I keep going until I stop? How long can I sort of wrestle from God all the blessing that He can give me? As a result, prayer actually becomes something demanding and intimidating and something actually we want to avoid if we're being honest. But I want us to see this morning, prayer in the Bible is actually a lot simpler than we think it is. But there are a couple of other reasons I think we don't pray, which maybe go a bit more deep than these first two. The first is this, we don't think we need to pray. We think we can cope with life on our own, thank you very much. Actually, I've got to a point now where I kind of know what I'm doing with my life, I know what I'm doing with my job or my family. Why would I waste time praying when I can just get on and do it? Or that that final reason there, we don't think prayer makes any difference. Maybe in the past we have prayed and prayed and prayed for someone or something, and it felt like nothing changed, and God didn't answer. Many of us come to the conclusion that, well, prayer doesn't make any difference, so why would I pray? Well, if either of those two last reasons are reasons that you're familiar with, I think our second reading from John 15, where Jesus speaks to disciples, that's got important things to say directly to us. So if we don't think we need to pray, well, I just need to say, in John 15, Jesus disagrees. (laughs) You may be not surprised by that, but he disagrees with us. Listen to verse 4 of John 15. It's on the screen there. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then a little later, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you don't have to be a keen gardener to understand what Jesus is saying there. It's kind of a really clear image. If a branch breaks off from a grapevine, becomes disconnected, it will wither and die. You see that on the ground. For a branch to have life and bear fruit, it has to remain on the vine. And Jesus says here, it's the same with his followers. On our own, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing of value, nothing that lasts. I think, well, actually, I do quite a lot without praying, thank you, but but actually, no, we need to ask God to work through our efforts if they're going to last and be of value. We need to remain in Jesus. I want us to see that pray continually basically means remain in Jesus. Don't kid yourself that you can make it on your own. Don't imagine that you're somehow strong enough or, or good enough at life to cope on your own. We need to remain in Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But there's also, the, the flip side of that is actually, well, we don't think prayer makes a difference. Well, again, Jesus disagrees with us. He makes a really bold promise to his disciples. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So it's not just a negative, it's not just, well, apart from me, you can do nothing. There's actually a positive promise here. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. What does that mean? What does it mean to bear fruit? Well, for Jesus, that means a life transformed by Jesus that points other people to Jesus. 
Bearing fruit means having a life transformed by Jesus that points other people to Jesus, a life of dependence on Jesus, a life that learns from Jesus, a life that loves Jesus. Remain in me as I remain in you, and you will bear fruit, says Jesus. It's a promise. You will grow in your love for God and your love for people. You will see evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So remain in me, he says. John 15, apart from me you can do nothing, therefore pray. Remain in me, you will bear much fruit, therefore pray. Praying continually basically just means remain in Jesus, remain in constant dependence on Jesus, remain close to Jesus, both individually and corporately as a church family. So this command to pray continually is Paul following in the footsteps of Jesus. And actually, praying continually is something that that Paul was committed to himself throughout his letters. You look at his letters, and the most frequent way he describes the way he prays for other believers is a variation of pray continually. So, a few examples on the screen there. Colossians 1 verse 9, we have not stopped praying for you. Earlier in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, we constantly pray for you. 2 Timothy 1, writing to his friend Timothy, night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. And that's not only how Paul prays for other believers, he also urges us to pray this way. Again, a few examples there. Ephesians 6, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Colossians 4 verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Romans 12, 12, be constant in prayer. Do we get the message? It's all the way through Paul's letters. But you might think, well, why does Paul place such an emphasis on continually praying? Is Paul one of those annoying people who's basically bragging about it? So, oh yeah, I was praying. I prayed for hours yesterday. I want you to know that. Is he boasting about his prayer life? Is he just wanting to place a burden on already burdened Christians? That's sometimes how we read these words, isn't it? Paul, if you knew my life, you wouldn't be asking me to do that. Let me tell you about the last 24 hours. Why does Paul urge Christians to pray continually? Well, he does it because he's convinced of two things. One, we are all weak people who need God's help if we are going to live for Jesus in this world. Paul knows that from experience. He is very familiar with his weakness. He talks about continual prayer, not because he's strong, but because he is weak. And he needs prayer, and he asks other Christians to pray for him. We pray continually because we're all weak people. But again, the flip side of that, we pray continually because God is strong, and God is loving and powerful, and he loves to hear us, and help us. That also is what Paul is convinced of. We are all weak people who need God's help, but God is strong and willing to give us that help as we cry out to Him. And Paul's convinced if we would just begin to grasp those realities, we would really begin to pray, and we'd persevere in prayer. I love the way the writer Paul Miller puts it in one of his books. He just says this, you don't need self-discipline to pray constantly. You just need to be poor in spirit. Again, you think, well, okay, I need to discipline myself. Well, actually, you you just need to say, help, I can't cope. 
I cannot cope with life the way it is, therefore I will pray. Again, prayer is not for strong people. Prayer is for weak people. And the reality is, Paul says, we are all weak people. And if we don't pray because we think we can cope on our own, then Paul says we haven't understood why Jesus came and who Jesus is. That is why we pray continually. So for the rest of our time together, I want us to see how God meets with us when we pray continually. And then I'm going to finish with some practical steps on on how we can start praying in our lives, maybe if we feel particularly stuck in this area. So again, why we can pray continually. Again, we often think of prayer as something that we have to do to get God to notice us. Or it's a skill we develop. But actually, there's a really helpful book, Tim Chester, You Can Pray, where he just spells out for us that whenever we pray, we're not on our own. We are never alone when we pray. The living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is with us, and He is committed to helping us pray as we start to draw near to Him. So Chester says basically three things about those three persons of the Trinity. Again, Christians, we believe that God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And Tim Chester says when we pray, God the Father loves to hear us pray. God the Son makes every prayer pleasing to God. And God the Holy Spirit helps us as we pray. Let me just look at each of those in turn then for us. First of all, God the Father loves to hear us pray. Again, how do you think about God when you're about to pray? That makes a massive difference, actually. You know, when I was growing up, if I saw my dad a bit hassled and harassed and busy, I would go, well, I'm going to keep my distance for a while just till he calms down. And often maybe think, that's God. Well, I would like to pray to him, but I've not prayed for like two weeks. How can I show my face? I'd like to pray to him, but he's really got bigger fish to fry in this world. He's got a whole world and a universe to run. I think my problems don't really count. I'd like to pray, but we often think that prayer is about us trying to win over our reluctant God. But the Bible actually tells us God is not distant or unwilling to listen to us. He is like a proud dad who loves to spend time with his children. This is how Jesus puts it in Matthew 7. 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, I love Jesus' bluntness here, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus tells us God is our heavenly Father who loves us. He delights to hear from us. He wants to help us, and He's committed to giving good gifts to us in order for us to live for Him. Again, throughout the Gospels, when Jesus prays, almost certainly He used an Aramaic word, Abba, which means Father, but it's an astonishingly intimate term. No one used that word in the Old Testament. Abba basically means papa or dad or daddy. It's a sense of just a young child crying out to their father to help them. 
And it seems that that word just etched itself on the minds of the early disciples. When they were writing the New Testament, the New Testament's written in Greek, but that Aramaic word Abba keeps coming up in the Gospels, in the letter to the Romans, and the Galatians. See, Jesus called God Abba, Father, Dad, with great intimacy. And then he says, actually, when you pray, Christian, you get to call God Father too. He is my Father, and now he's your father, he says to Mary Magdalene. You see, our basic theology of prayer is that we are talking to our father because he wants to hear us. Prayer is a child asking their father for help. Prayer is a child asking their father for help. It really is as simple as that. If you know what it means to go help, you know how to pray. And one of the most faith-filled prayers we can pray is when we don't know what to do, we just go, Father, help me. That is what prayer is at its heart. That is why God has given us the gift of prayer, so we can speak to Him and ask Him for help. But more than that, God the Son Jesus makes every prayer pleasing to God. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 7 25, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And think of reasons why you don't always want to pray. You maybe think, well, my prayer is not very impressive or clear or theologically accurate, but actually, what the Bible tells us is that God the Son, Jesus, is our great high priest, and he makes every one of our prayers pleasing to God. Our prayers are always good enough because Jesus is always good enough. It's not about us impressing God. It's about Jesus bringing our prayers to the Father on our behalf. So how does God the Son help us when we pray? Well, first of all, He makes prayer possible in the first place. We need to be really clear. Without Jesus going to the cross, dying and rising again, taking the punishment we deserve for our sin, we could not call God Father. That word Abba is reserved for those who humble themselves, cry out to God to save them. And through Jesus, He does. Jesus took our punishment on Himself at the cross so we can call God Father, so we can pray continually. Without Jesus, we would not be able to pray. That is how Jesus enables our prayers, but it's as if that wasn't enough for Jesus. So if it was enough just to bring us into God's family forever, He's actually committed to helping us as we live in God's family. Once Jesus had taken the punishment for our sins, He rose again, and Hebrews 7, He now lives forever as our perfect high priest. Hebrews 7, he always lives to intercede for us. Jesus prays for us continually today, seated at the right hand of the Father. So when Paul says pray continually, in one sense, we're just echoing what Jesus is doing all the time in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is praying for us. When we begin to grasp that, it just transforms our prayer life. Again, we've said it before, really, but some of those precious words you hear when you're going through a hard time is that someone says, oh, I was praying for you this week. 
And if they say that and you believe them, that's just astonishing. What does that say? It says that person cares about you. That person has been thinking about you. They remembered you. It tells you that person has gone to God and asked God to help you. It shows you matter to that person. And we look at Hebrews 7, and we can say with confidence, Jesus is praying for us in heaven continually. He loves you. He's thinking about you. You matter to him. He is asking God to help you. Again, you're not on your own. Yes, you are a weak person, but you're not alone. Jesus is coming alongside you, praying for you, interceding for you. And that means he's able to help you. That means your prayers are being presented pleasing and perfect to the Father. And then thirdly, God the Holy Spirit helps us as we pray. Again, we've got the whole Godhead on our side every time we pray. Romans chapter 8, 14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And the only reason any of us pray at all is because the Spirit connects us to God. He unites us to Jesus, and He's the one who assures us that God is our Father. We get to use that word Abba because of the Spirit's work in our life. We can cry out to God to help us because the Spirit is working in our lives. People often say, I, I, don't, I want the Spirit to work in me. I don't, I don't feel like the Spirit's working in me. But actually, if you pray at all, that is evidence of the Spirit working in you, helping you. And then a few verses later, Paul says this, still in Romans 8. He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And I love Paul's realism here when he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Because so much of my life is spent not knowing what to pray for. I look at my own life, my own struggles. I am a mystery to myself. Why did I react like that? I have no idea. How do I pray about that? I don't know. I think with the people closest to me, I go, how do I help? I don't know. I think about the world out there. I look at situations far too great for me to comprehend. I think about Ukraine. I think about poverty across the world. I think about climate change. I go, I don't know what to pray for, God. But what the Spirit does is He takes our fumbling prayers and He helps us present them to God. The word help there in Romans 8, could be translated sort of share the load or bear the burden. So it's not that the Spirit takes over when we pray. Some of us might like that idea, the Spirit just zaps you and takes over. It's not that, but He joins us in our struggle. Someone puts it like this once, it's like, it's like you're trying to push a car, and on your own it's just too much, but then a very strong friend comes, and you both get the car moving. We're shopping for cars at the minute, lots of my illustrations are about cars. But that's the Spirit. He joins us in our struggle and He helps us in our weakness. He doesn't do everything. He doesn't just 
remove our personality, but He joins us. He comes alongside us. So if you don't know what to pray for, don't let that stop you praying. Just be honest about that. Just come to Him and just go, I don't know what to pray for, Lord, but please do something. I don't know what to pray for, but I want to depend on you in this. I don't know what to pray for, but I care about that situation, and I want you to work in it. And that is so liberating, because we say, I don't know what to pray for, but I pray, I say what I can, and I leave the rest to a good and loving God. That is God, the Holy Spirit's work when we pray. I hope you can see it's an amazing picture, actually, of how God is on our side when we pray in Jesus' name. We are never alone when we pray. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is with you, and He is committed to helping you pray. And that is why Paul can present that what seems like an impossible command. Pray continually. Why? Because God is there, and He is committed to helping you pray. Pray continually. Why? Because we are all weak people who need God's help, and God is strong and powerful and loves to hear and help us. And because of these truths, we can pray, and because of these truths, we need to pray if we're going to live for Jesus in this world. That's why Paul tells us to pray continually. It's not an option. It's not like, well, do the best you can, and if it doesn't work out, then you can pray. I remember watching a Clint Eastwood movie. I think it was The Outlaw Josie Wales years ago. Very violent, but great. And, and at one point, he's riding off to fight the bad guys, and someone, some this weak older person goes, oh, what can I do? You can pray. But he goes off and shoots everyone. We kind of think it's prayer like sort of the second row. Is that kind of like just you're, you're sitting in the stands, with the proper work's happening? No, prayer is what we all need to do if God is going to work. We are all weak people. Matt and Lisa, Simon and Ali need our prayers if they're going to go overseas and tell people about Jesus and worship Him in that new setting. Every one of us needs prayers of God's people for us to serve in tomorrow. In our jobs, in our classrooms, wherever it is we are called, we need God's help. We need to pray continually, says Paul. So what does that mean for us as a church family today? I think one outworking of us is something that, that we shared at the family meeting last week, actually, that, about our hope and desire to grow a church for the Ayers-Monsell estate. As Dan shared at the May family meeting, the, the team has grown a bit smaller, but the need to share the gospel with people on the estate is still as great as it ever was. And if that is going to happen, we need to be praying about this. If we want to see God grow a church for the Ayers-Monsell, we need to pray. And none of us can claim we know exactly what the future will be. We are in God's hands, but He calls us to pray. We need to pray for more people to join the team. We need to pray, Dan said, for a second elder to work alongside him. We need to pray for a female gospel worker to join that work. And these things will not happen if we don't pray for them. If we don't go to God and say, we can't do this, but you can. So will we all together pray for that work on the Ayers Monsal? Will we pray for the team there? Will we pray for more people to hear the gospel and come to trust Jesus and join that team? And will we pray, what about me? Is there any sense, Lord, in which you're calling me to be part of that work, to move on to that estate? We need to pray about these things in confidence that God is good 
and loving, and His purposes for us are good and loving. We are all weak people, but God is strong and powerful, and He loves to hear our prayers and help us. So, in a sense, this this command of Paul's is an invitation. Pray continually and see God at work. So, what steps can we take to begin doing this more individually and corporately? How do we start praying or start praying again if we feel stuck? Because often we do feel stuck in our prayer life. I think one thing is just that idea in our heads when we come to prayer, I am just a child asking their father for help. We don't overcomplicate it. We don't think, well, that's how this person prays, so I should pray that way. No, we just say, Father, help me. And then you think, well, who is my father? That's when you go to God's Word and understand more of how Jesus reveals the Father to us. But we just keep it simple. We say, you're my father, Lord, help me. One thing that a friend, an older friend said to me a while ago was just pray the Lord's Prayer once every day. Some of you might think that sounds a bit legalistic, but actually the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that Jesus gives us to teach us to pray. And often we don't know where to start. So why not start with the prayer that Jesus gave us to learn how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Many of us will know a version of that off by heart. Just Write it down if you don't, and use that. Once a day, just pray through that. Use the words Jesus gave you, and that will start you praying, but also it will give you some of Jesus' priorities for prayer and shape your prayers. Again, that same older Christian also said to me about praying the Jesus prayer to help me, which again sounds a bit wacky in ways, but this is a prayer, um, a single-sentence prayer, used by the Greek Orthodox Church dating back at least to the 5th century. It's based on a prayer in Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and very simply it's this. It is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And again, I was saying to this guy, I just feel stuck. I don't know where to go sometimes. He says, well, here's a prayer. Christians have prayed for centuries. You don't parrot it meaninglessly, But maybe just a few times in a day, you just slowly say those words until you remember them. And then you just think, what does that mean? What does it tell me about who Jesus is? What does it tell me about who I am? What does it tell me about what I need every day, which is mercy? There are prayers out there to help us when we feel stuck. But also, we we need to pray with and for other Christians. We said it last week, pray continue, the verb is plural. So many Christians actually do find it easier praying with other believers. Not everyone does, but many people do. So, so we need the prayers of one another to spur us on and help us. So make the most of opportunities to pray with other Christians. On a Sunday morning when you're chatting to someone, they may be sharing stuff and you go, I don't know what to do with that. Together, briefly, just go, Father, help in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all you need. It's not over-spiritual to do that. We need that. Make the most of opportunities to pray in our home groups, and our family meetings. The Risen prayer meeting on Zoom is happening again tomorrow, 6.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. Join us if you're able to. 
Join to the Ayers Munsell prayer meeting once a month. We need the prayers of one another to keep us going. But also, I think just a reality that I actually do find encouraging. The less you pray, the harder it is. The more you pray, the more natural it will be. Fairly obvious in some ways, but it's true. The more we say, well, I'm not going to pray now. I just find it too difficult. Too difficult. Just the, the, the less you pray, the harder it becomes. But the just starting, Abba, Father, help me. Just start there. And you do learn that actually you're not alone when you're praying. God the Father loves to hear us pray. God the Son makes every prayer pleasing to God. God the Holy Spirit helps us as we pray. The whole Godhead is on your side when you pray. So draw near to Him. And we do that because we are all weak people who need God's help. And God is strong and loving and loves to hear and help His children. Remain in me, says Jesus. Pray continually, says Paul. We do it because we need it. And we do it because God is good. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Let's, let's take a moment. And maybe just in the quiet, just confess to God your need of him and maybe the struggles you do have to pray. And ask him to help you and to teach you how to pray. And I'm just going to read the words of the Lord's Prayer as we finish. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, there's lots to reflect on and think about there, isn't there? Um, and so we're going to um, do a little bit of reflecting um, um, through song, um, songs that remind us um, that prayer is the practical hope that we're not alone, isn't it? It's reaching out to God. Um, so um, if the band wouldn't mind uh, joining us.
we're going to sing two songs that I think help us with this. Um, Strength will rise, and yet not I, but through Christ in me. So do stand. Steadfast love. 
himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it amen that's the end of our formal part of the service but obviously we are going to be Sticking around, um, there's coffee and tea and cake and a chance to have fellowship together. Ask each other about prayer and your conversations.